are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Dr. David Berselli. He's an international expert in the areas of trauma intervention and conflict resolution. He's also the founder and CEO of Trauma Recovery Services. He'll be teaching trauma-releasing exercises at the Miraculous Healing Experience April 1st through 3rd at the Jewish Community Center. We'll be right back with Dr. Berselli, but first I'd like to talk about walking. This week, I committed to walking every day and taking a long walk. I remembered my journey across the country and how nice it was, how beautiful it was just to be outside all day, that my only job was to take the next step, step by step crossing the country. There was something so beautiful and nice and relieving about being outdoors and being feeling footloose and fancy free, although I had a 45 pound pack on my back and was walking 15 or 25 miles a day. It was something about being outdoors. So I committed to being outdoors this week. And I took a two hour walk every day and walked about six miles a day. Uh, Walked every day on Tuesday and Saturday. I didn't walk two hours, but I still took a nice walk. And, you know, the birds are singing. It's beautiful in Tucson right now. It's been in the 80s. The, the orange trees are blossoming and the smells are absolutely incredible. It's, it's just so gorgeous. I can't believe I, I haven't been out every day already. Doesn't it seem sad how much of our lives we spend indoors? So I'd set out, just leave my office at three in the afternoon and start walking. A lot of times I'm in the office till six, seven, eight at night working on things. And by the time I get done with work, it's dark out. But as far as my classes go, I'm done at three or 3.45. I could go for a walk. So I committed to actually doing that. And the mere act of putting one foot in front of another, and yes, I did get a blister and Yes, I am out of shape after four years of not taking long walks. My feet have been a little bit sore. But just the act of taking one step after another, being outdoors, made me feel carefree again. Listening to the birds and wandering along and seeing the plants in the neighborhoods, it was just, took me back a little bit to that time and let me feel a little bit of the tension from the week just dissipate for a moment. So I'm going to try another week of walking outside every day. And I hope to encourage some of you to try the same. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Thanks. So I'd like to go through our announcements for today. Five Points Market located on 756 Southstone Ave serves breakfast and lunch. Made from scratch, it is open daily from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., incorporating locally sourced products. 
The menu includes Tucson Weekly's Best of 2015 Third Place Huevos Rancheros. Expertly crafted espresso beverages are made using Cafe Aki coffee. Vegetables from Tucson's farming community are available in the market, and you can visit their website at www.fivepointstucson.com. Support for Downtown Radio is provided by La Cocina Restaurant and Cantina, located at Old Town Artisans. La Cocina features globally inspired alfresco dining, eclectic wines, local beers, and creative cocktails, with live music as well as indoor and outdoor seating in a botanical courtyard. La Cocina is a venue for any occasion, located at 201 West Court Ave, next to the Tucson Museum of Art. More information is at lacocinatucson.com. Today we have with us in the studio Dr. David Bruselli. He's an international expert in the areas of trauma intervention and conflict resolution. He's also the founder and CEO of Trauma Recovery Services. He'll be teaching trauma-releasing exercises at the Miraculous Healing Experience April 1st through 3rd at the Jewish Community Center. If you're interested in that, you can find more information at newgroundevents.com. Hello, Dr. Baselli, and welcome to the Depression Session. So, Dr. Bruselli, what are you working on these days? What's well, new? what I'm working on now, I just finished my third book, but I'm working on trying to figure out how do we bring self-help modalities to like mothers and children or the disenfranchised populations of the world, refugees or people living in poverty. They are never, they're the ones that have the most severe trauma and the most possibility of depression during life and how do we help them in a way that they don't need financial assistance to do it and that I can teach mothers how to help their own children through difficult times or spouses to help themselves when they're having financial struggles or you know there's a death in the family or something like that. I'm looking at how do we bring self-help modalities to the populations that need it most. That's great. Yeah, it's really. it's a fascinating and really interesting challenge. Yeah, because there are a lot of people who don't have access to much and have the most traumatic lives. Most of the traumatized <laughs> people on the planet are the ones who are traumatized because of being disenfranchised and poor and marginalized in some way. Or like we're working right now with the refugees in Europe who are coming from Syria. There's millions of them. And they don't know about trauma and how to help themselves, and there's no help there, and they're in another culture, another language, another country. So we're we're trying to actually figure out how to help provide services for that population. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine actually is a photographer. He's over there with his daughter right now, and she's 12. And she's wow. doing a project with a 10-year-old boy there who likes to take pictures and she likes to write. So wow. they're doing a little project together to document. Imagine the richness of those two little human beings from seeing humanity, God forbid they're traumatized by, but seeing humanity at such depth will cause such a profound reflection in them about what they want to do or be in life or what they want to contribute. I mean, the blessing could be amazing if we can help protect them also from the potential traumas they may experience there. (laughs) Maybe I'll send her to you when she gets back. (laughs) (laughs) I'll check her out. (laughs) She's a great girl. I think, what was I doing at 12? Right, exactly. Catching frogs, you know. How beautiful, really. It's quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to share about um, like TRE or? Yeah, well, as a result of my experiences, not just of depression, but the trauma experiences that I went through when I was living in Africa and the Middle East, 
uh, and various war countries and natural disasters and all that stuff. I developed a technique because I recognized something that every human being has seen, and this is really important, is that I simply asked a different question, but I didn't see anything original. When you see somebody who's nervous or frightened, oftentimes you'll see their hands will shake or the jaw will start to quiver just before they're ready to cry. And you can tell by that quivering or the shaking in the voice if you're interviewing somebody and they're nervous. You can tell they're nervous by the shaking mechanism in the human body. I saw this and experienced it myself consistently when I was in these disaster zones. And all I did was see something that everybody else saw. And I just said, I wonder if that has any value to us rather than what all of us thought. It's the beginning of our nervous breakdown. <laughs> we actually thought that this is the beginning of our nervous system about to explode. And we always kept trying to bring it under control. Stop the shaking, stop the shaking, bring it under control. And I asked it the opposite question. If we're all doing it, and we're all doing it after some traumatic event, is the human body using that in some potential therapeutic or recovery method of its own? So I came back to the United States, I researched it, and discovered that the human body tremors after, before, during, or after a stressful event, in the same way that a dog tremors in a thunderstorm. It actually is reducing the stressor and it's reducing the high arousal of the nervous system. So built into us, genetically encoded, is if I get overstressed, my body will start to shake itself as a way of reducing the stress. Once I realized that that was happening, then I designed a technique, again, for mothers to teach to their children, or spouses to do together, <coughs> like the school shooting that just happened in, in Phoenix. And I was uh, talking on the, the news up there about, all right, families come together. It's a terribly traumatic experience. Moms and dads do these exercises that evoke the tremor mechanism in the body. You can feel your nervous system calming down. It actually can put you to sleep if you just lay down on the floor and let it happen and then help your children to do it. So that we learn that when we get strongly activated because of some stressful or traumatic event, our human body is designed to reduce the activation by itself. So I put this into a book and into a couple videos and into a very simple method that's accessible to the disenfranchised, the poor people, and for people who are marginalized. It's for mothers, it's for families, and I can use it with large communities. I use it with policemen, firemen, EMTs, all those crowds where trauma is a natural experience of their daily life. So tell us the story of your depression. Well, it's kind of interesting for me because my depression happened later in adulthood, around 22 years old. And it was after I sort of had some of my first experiences when I was living in the Middle East and I was in some countries that were experiencing war. And what happened was I was traumatized, which was natural for living in that type of environment. And I thought I was doing well. I was surviving there and I lived the daily life that everybody else lived as well. Um, but I saw things and experienced things 
that unconsciously were challenging my um, faith in humanity. Like, how could humans do this to one another? Now, it wasn't exactly conscious, but I saw things that were not pleasant to see. I got involved in things that were both frightening and unpleasant, life and death threatening at times. But every time I survived, I thought, well, I lived through that one, and I lived through that one, and I thought I was doing great, you know, because I was living through them all. And the depression only happened when I came back to the United States. I was back for about a year, and I started getting lots of illnesses, and I generally am not ill, and my energy level had dropped, and I had lost any initiative about life. I was not interested. I was constantly angry at everybody. And I was angry at myself. It was quite interesting. Not only did I hate the world and hate human beings and hate myself, I actually just hated because feeling hate felt like the right thing to do. And I hated and hated and hated. And I had to really put myself in sort of a my own place of solitude um, so that I wouldn't inflict this on other people. And I went, that's when I realized I was really in depression. And what the depression was, was it was really a repression of the intensity of hatred, disbelief in humanity, um, disregard and disrespect for life. It just had all squeezed in so tightly in my life. And I was trying to hold against it because I was trying to pretend or put on a facade that I was in life and life was doing well. But inside it was so tightly squeezed and I had so much hatred and I hated humanity. And what really got me to recognize the depression was one day I woke up and I realized not only did I hate God, but I didn't believe in God. And that was severely depressing for me because I grew up in a Catholic family and I wasn't particularly Catholic religious, but I did have a belief system that fit the Catholic Church and even beyond that because I studied Buddhism and I studied other religions and faiths. And so I had, a, I, I had a belief that there was a deity, that there was a God, and that, that somehow, no matter what happened on the planet, what happened to human beings, we were sort of cared for, and, and it made sense in some bigger grand scale. And then I, I really didn't believe it. I did not believe that was true. I thought life was just happenstance. It's stupidity. What happens to people happens to people. Um, and it made me have a disregard for my life and for everybody else's life. And I was so depressed. But there was so much going on in the depression. That's what the confusion was. There was so much happening inside my head and inside my body. And yet I had absolutely no energy externally to give to anybody or to do anything. This lasted for about three years, and then, now I was still doing things in life. It's not like I hid away for three years. So I was engaged in activities in life, but my being, my heart, my soul, my consciousness was not engaged in it at all. I just did things. I pretended to be nice. I smiled. I hated going to parties because I just hated being in a place where other people were having life, and I had to pretend I had life. 
And so I really hated it all. And then they were doing an experiment on, on a new drug. I forget what it was called. But the drug was for people who had post-traumatic stress disorder and were experiencing depression. So I thought, I'm going. I want to see what this does. I wanted to try medication. And I went and I applied for the thing. And my body was already very sensitive. So I either had a 50-50 chance of the placebo or the actual medication. And I knew immediately the first time I took the pill, I was on the medication because it was already doing something to me. Well, I found it fascinating and I was interested and honestly hopeful. And what happened was I was on it for about three months. The research was six months long. And after the third month, I discovered the, the medication only made me not care that I was depressed. I was still depressed, but it didn't do anything to relieve the depression. I just even cared less. So anything could happen at this point. I didn't care, see? So it really took even more life away from me. And so as soon as I recognized that, I stopped. I got out of the, the, the program because I knew that wasn't what I needed. So I spent about another two years and I did psychotherapy, intensive psychotherapy to come out of it. And it was really touch and go for a while. And I remember two times where I really seriously thought about suicide. I just seriously thought about, I thought, I have no belief system. I don't believe there's anything after life. There's no reason to be in this life. So nothing had reason. So it, was, it made more logical sense to commit suicide. That seemed logical actually at the time. So I, I sort of went through that for about six or seven weeks, just every single day, not knowing if I was gonna kill myself or not. And then that left. But about six weeks or eight weeks later, it came back again. And I went through it again for another six or eight weeks. And then at the end of it, this is really interesting because it it's still etched in my mind. I was in my bedroom and I was pounding my fists on the bed with just hatred and rage. It had no place to go or it wasn't towards anybody. It was just against knowing that anything in life had any meaning at all. And I felt deceived and betrayed by whoever because nothing made sense. And I was pounding my fist so hard on the best that my fists actually started bleeding. I was so enraged. And that's when I said, all right, this is it. Stop this behavior. You're either going to kill yourself or you're going to live. But you make the decision now because living in between it was horrible. And I made the decision to live. Now, obviously, that wasn't so easy because I still had to come out of the depression. But somehow at that moment, and it wasn't a belief system or a faith or anything. It was just like me talking to me saying, you know, crap or get off the pot, basically. And I decided I'm going to get off the pot and I'm going to do something in my life. And so I started doing that. So I did start to recover and I did psychotherapy and I happened to be living in New York and somebody said to me, do body work. I don't know what you need, but go do body work. I did every body therapy there. I was beating pillows and getting rolfed and massaged and stretched in every way possible. 
but it was really key because I realized the depression was not just psychological. There was a neurophysiological element to the depression. So I actually had to do something to my body and do something to my brain, but not just psychological. It had to be neural repatterning in the brain. And so when I realized that as I attended to each of these things, there were little pieces starting to come together. And I started coming out of the depression. And that's what gave me the key. Oh my gosh, depression is an organismic reality that I experienced in the entire organism had to be restored. Counseling as good as it was, and I had a great therapist, clearly was not enough. It was like the body cried out for something, my nervous system cried out for something else. Each one had their own story they had to tell in their own way. And each one of them had to be seen in their own way as well. So my body had to be received as though it was seen, just as my psyche had to be seen by my therapist. And when I started getting that, it exponentially started moving me towards health and out of the depression, which was really quite fascinating to me. And as I got through the whole thing, I realized that depression itself truly is a natural human experience. And I believe every human experiences it. It's a matter of degree. So after a divorce, you could go through a depression time of two years or something like that. But that's a very can be a very healthy time because depression can also lead you inward to soul search, to look for meaning in life. And you hear a lot of people say, I never wanted this to happen in my life. But ever since it has, I've become a stronger person. That's an interesting experience that I discovered all over the world because I travel internationally a lot. Every human being can tell you a story of a time of depression. Now, this is not suggesting that maybe people who might have neurological uh, problems that cause the depression or chemical imbalances that causes it, but this is about life's issues that we are designed as human beings to go through life, experience depression, and we actually can come through it. And many human beings do it. You could call being heartbroken for the, you know, after your, your first breakup in high school, where you go through a period of staying in your room for three weeks or three months, you know, and you're, you're depressed. Well, yeah, that's a natural, normal experience because when something shatters you in life, even something like puppy love, it causes you to question yourself. So that I began to discover that depression, if it's perceived correctly, and this is not to diminish it for people at all, that there, it is something about growth, but it's a really painful process about growth, see? So if you can not get stuck or lost in the pain, there's just a little seed in there. And it's hard to find a lot of the time, but it's about, about to sort of sprout itself into a life that will be completely different from the life that you had prior to the depression. It's almost like a rebirthing of the human organism in stages of its existence. And then I got it. And then that's, of course, what led me to become a trauma therapist and to begin to look at this bigger process of life of how, is, how did I get through depression myself? What caused it? 
And then what potential value does that have to the human process was my big question. And I do believe, as difficult as it is to say, and I would never say this to somebody who's in the middle of it because that's even harder, as difficult as it is to say, I do believe that given the right circumstances, we not only work through depression and say we're glad we're out of it, we actually are a different being on the other side of it. And if we look back, we say, wow, something deep grew inside of me. And I'm a different person. And I now approach life in a completely different way because of that experience. Wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You mentioned being in the Middle East and Africa when you were quite a bit younger. Do you mind talking about why you were there? Well, I will talk about it. Um, <laughs> I, after I, I got out of the military, I was in the, in, in the Air Force during the Vietnam War. When I got out, I really wanted to live overseas. And I wanted to live overseas in some meaningful way. And I ended up joining, sort of by mistake, but it happened. I joined a Catholic religious community. And they sent me to the Middle East. And what I loved about it was my job at that time was to go study the Quran, study Islam, study the Arabic language and culture, and figure out how could we have a positive dialogue between Christianity and Islam. Now, this was before 9-11 and all the violence has since happened. So my job literally was to go over there and try to become as much of a Muslim as I could. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I prayed in the mosque, I studied the Quran, I studied Arabic, I even still teach in Arabic today because I got a degree in it. But my job was, and I'm going to quote St. Francis, mm. when St. Francis was sending missionaries to the Middle East, they were not allowed to talk about, they were not allowed to evangelize, and neither was I when I went there. And he went there and he said, you will convert them by the way you live your life. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say a word. And it was really beautiful because, and I've discovered this in every religion around the world because I've lived in many other countries and studied many religions. If they're Buddhist or Muslim or Hindu or Jewish, it doesn't matter. If they're a person who really is loving, the faith goes right out the window because they're just loving and you feel warm and close. And I met so many Muslim people and Jewish people because I lived in Israel at the time too. And just you could just tell they're warm, loving people that their faith maybe brought them to their warmth and their inner love, but their warmth and inner love was stronger than their faith. And they are all over the world, believe me. Religion means nothing because the truth of it is underneath that. The religion was just the guide to some depth of profound love and truth in a person. And I have found them all over the world. Every religion, even atheists, agnostics, when you feel love from a human being, you know what that means and you know you're safe. So my job was to go over there and try to get them to feel love from me. Mm. Now, what a wonderful <laughs> job is that, see? In the meantime, I was bombed and traumatized and all that stuff. But it was still a wonderful 
wonderful reason for being and living in another culture was to try to see could I live such a life of witness that people would want to talk to me and be around me despite religious differences. This is a beautiful way to end the show. It's so wonderful to have you on and tell your story. And I'm just moved by the whole thing and oh, what you've you. done with like a really negative experience. Yeah. And yeah. taken into such a beautiful place. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time. Do you have any little words of wisdom for just the end here? Yeah, I think if I could say anything, and I don't want to say it in any superficial way, but I truly believe that somehow depression, if we can access it in the right way, is some sort of beginning. It's the end of something, and it also is the beginning of something. If we could figure out and try to focus really hard on what the new beginning is, I believe that depression truly has the potential of transforming the, the life of a human being. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate You're it. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Dr. Berselli will be teaching his trauma recovery method at the Tucson Jewish Community Center, April 1st through 3rd. You can find out more information at newgroundevents.com. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.